Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 513. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. For each podcast episode this year, we also thank three of our podcast sponsors. Today, we welcome Rodie.com, R-O-A-D-I-E.com, as a new podcast and newsletter sponsor for 2021. Roadie is a same-day delivery platform that connects you and your flower deliveries with drivers already heading in the right direction. Roadie can handle the delivery of your fragile flowers and plants so you can get back to creating masterpieces or helping them grow. Check out the link in today's show notes for more details or visit roadie.com. Well, June was a super busy and invigorating month, and I have lots to share with you. I'm recording the intro to today's episode on July 5th. Yesterday, my husband and I arrived back in Seattle after driving home from the San Francisco Bay Area, my car filled with Slow Flower Summit supplies, my heart filled with love for our amazing community of members, supporters, sponsors, partners, and especially the small but mighty Slow Flowers team of creatives who work with me. Oh, and my mind is spinning with ideas and inspiration from last week's Slow Flowers Summit, our fourth and best to date. You'll hear much more in the coming weeks as I share recaps and resources from the Slow Flowers Summit 2021. Suffice it to say, after a full year delay, the timing worked out wonderfully for an all-outdoor conference as we safely gathered at Filoli Historic House and Garden in Woodside, California. To arrive there, I departed Seattle on Wednesday, June 23rd, giving myself two days to make the drive south. It was a good time to be alone with my thoughts and to schedule a few stops along the way. One stop was in Live Oak, California, located halfway between Chico and Sacramento. I was lured to Menagerie Farm and Flower, where Felicia Alvarez lives with her family in the beautiful Sacramento Valley. If you followed our 50 States of Slow Flowers podcast, which was a series we ran in 2019, you heard a short interview with Felicia when I featured California, but honestly, I knew that 15 minutes could never cover all that she could tell us about her diversified family farm and especially about her roses. Now I had a very important reason to see Menagerie Farm and Flower in person. Bloom Imprint, our book venture, is publishing Felicia's first book this fall. The book is called Growing Wonder. We are so excited you'll hear all about this new project in our conversation and learn how you can pre-order your own copy of Felicia's new book. Here's a bit more about Felicia Alvarez, 
Before we get started, on her website, she writes, I've been farming for over two decades, and every day I fall in love with the simplicity and nostalgia of life on the farm. My mission is simple, to grow exceptional flowers and foods with distinctive quality. As a third-generation farmer, my favorite memories as a child were tending to my grandmother's farm garden filled with fragrant garden roses. Her love of flowers made me an avid gardener and now an accidental flower farmer. Today, I farm French prunes, garden roses, and specialty cut flowers with the help of my husband and two little sons in tow. After more than a year of recording most of our episodes over Zoom, it was such a joy to sit at a picnic table next to Felicia's barn and record live and in person. The ambient farm sounds only help to underscore that feeling of immediacy and intimacy. I hope you enjoy this conversation. So let's jump right in and get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. I have a very special episode for you today coming to you from Menagerie Farm and Flower, and my guest is Felicia Alvarez. Hi, Felicia. Hi, Deborah. I'm so happy to be here today. It's so nice to welcome you to the farm. Oh, the farm is fabulous, and uh, we are just marveling at how rare it is that I've been getting to do in-person interviews, um, but not only did I do I get to talk to you in person, I get to see your amazing rose farm, and um, I've wanted to come visit for a long time. Well, I, I, it is really special to have you here, and I'm glad that uh, you were able to on your trip. Uh, I know you don't always get get da- this far down south, so uh, it, it's nice to have people back in person again, too. Absolutely. Well, uh, we have lots to talk about. Uh, Felicia, as I said, owns Menagerie Farm and Flower. We're going to talk about what her whole business operation is, and then a little bit about her path and how she fell into flowers, uh, and specifically roses, and um, a little bit about what's coming next. So uh, some of you may remember um, a couple years ago, I did a 50 States of Slow Flowers series, um, 50, one person from each state for 50 weeks. I had to get that out. <laughs> and I did highlight Felicia during California. She had to represent the whole state. Oh, that, that was a mouthful. And yes, <laughs> I, I was here for the whole state. <laughs> but it was only about 10 minutes. So it yeah. was just a quick little soundbite. And so uh it wasn't, she deserved more. So we're going to talk about this. So Felicia, uh, Menagerie Farm and Flower, you're based in Sacramento Valley. Uh, put us, put yourself on the map and kind of introduce people to what, what is your whole enterprise? So yes, I'm based in Sacramento Valley. I am about an hour north of Sacramento and an hour south of Chico. I'm right at the base of the Sutter Buttes, uh, which is the smallest mountain range in the world for you trivia uh, <laughs> folks out there. <laughs> it's a good little Jeopardy piece of trivia. My uh, college roommate still to this day always says that you know she's always going to tuck that one away in, in, case, in case it's on Jeopardy. Um, That's funny. Yes. So um, I operate about a hundred acre farm. I have 20 acres uh, that are not contiguous that are uh, actually from where we are right here, Deborah, on this this particular piece of property. Uh, it's about 20 minutes away, okay. uh, which is planted into uh, rice, uh, specifically uh, sushi rice. So people that uh, eat uh, sushi rice, you might be having some of mine here. Oh my gosh, that's uh, so cool. And then I also have 80 acres here. It's the property that we are, we're on and I have 72 planted in French prunes uh, that I grow for Sunsweet Growers, which is the largest prune uh, growing co-op in the country. Uh, my family's grown prunes or had grown prunes for a long time. We used to have a commercial dehydrator, which is actually, as Deborah sits here, right over to our left. Uh, the remnants of the old dryer uh, we no longer commercially dry. And then I have um, 
a small nursery here on the property now where I specialize in garden roses. Uh, I do sell potted plants uh, April through really November, kind of in season. And then I sell bare root plants uh, the rest of the year that we operate here out of the uh, nursery. And then I also have cut flowers. Uh, and I have about, I think, but everyone was just asking me about how many plants and I kind of lost track. But um, around the 5,000 mark uh, wow. of uh, plants that are, garden roses that are planted in for cut flowers. And then I have... Um, a barn here uh, that we do workshops and events uh, and educational uh, opportunities for people that want to learn how to grow garden roses and also just other plants. Um, I also do grow some some tulips in the springtime, mm -hmm. um, but uh, they kind of just uh, get my customers excited for the roses. And, and plus, I just like to have something blooming here in the spring. Um, so I have just kind of a nice garden area wow. now that uh, the grounds here on the property um, that people can kind of explore at different times of the year and really see the seasonal changes um, with the roses and with other plants yeah. uh, here in the valley. Yeah. Wow. So much going on. Um, the... Uh the tulips, I feel like that's a bonus because you also do mail order. You are already doing mail order for your rose products, so you're set up to ship. Mm -hmm. So, how are the? Is, are you shipping tulips? Yeah, in the spring? so we sh we do ship tulips in the spring, uh, and it, again, depending on the year, I try to time them as much as I try to time. Um, we, I do outdoor grow, mm -hmm. um, so as much as I do try to time the forcing and whatnot. Um, we, I usually have tulips around early March, and then we can ship them through May. That's cool. Uh, with different varieties, you know, early yeah. and late late blooming varieties. But, yeah, I do ship those across the country, and they do ship amazingly well. Tulips are a great, um, great flower to yeah. ship. Um, they hold up really well. I love what you said about having something to offer your customers, because as you've built the business, you have a mailing list, and so people are waiting for yes. the news of what's coming yeah, next. Yeah, so, so for cut flowers... Um, you know, our season for garden roses really ends. I say, you know, Halloween and most years we can squeak through till Thanksgiving is mm -hmm. kind of like the final end date for us, uh, really depending on the rain and if we have a really wet, uh, you know, kind of late fall or not. Um, so really there's that November through April when the garden roses start again that, um, you know, I, I, I don't really have, I don't have roses and I don't grow. We are so warm here in the summer in the Sacramento Valley that I don't have greenhouses because mm -hmm. I would really only use them about a month and yeah. a half of the year. Oh my gosh. And then it gets warm enough um, to do out, outdoor growing. So, um, I really just focus on the tulips. Um, and then I always, you know, I have a cutting garden here too. I think like most, most farmers, I, I like to grow other things. And so we have a little uh, family cutting garden where I'll grow, you know, some ranunculus and you know, some of those other, you know, beautiful spring flowers as well. Um, but I, I don't usually sell those. Those yeah. are really just more for, for me, yourself for fun. But yeah, the tulips are what we focus or what I focus on in the spring. So, okay. So you're, your tulips are kind of, I don't know, I didn't mean to spend so much time on those. I, they're beautiful. I, I remember you brought some to the um, workshop that we had oh, uh, down yeah. at Rose Story oh, that's Farm. Right. I forgot about that. And you have seen the tulips. Yeah, and they were, they were stunning. But um, who is your customer, Felicia? Like that kind of helped maybe help people understand the scope of your business so my customer actually really is almost kind of like i would say kind of like two different people so mm -hmm. i have a lot of customers like for my cut flowers um that are wholesale that are wedding and event designers um and that's really where i started like that was kind of my my bread and butter is i had all the beautiful ro garden roses and all of the colors and varieties that um, people wanted for their weddings and um i started in wholesale and then and you were shipping uh, uh like ice packed 
Yes, ice Boxes pack roses, roses, and then also local pickup, mm-hmm. and then I also have you know a, a, a local um, wholesaler here that you know works with me as well. So, uh, and a, a delivery route into the Sacramento area. Okay. So it wasn't it wasn't just all shipping. Um, so I kind of started doing that, and then um, when the pandemic started last year, I was like, kind of like anyone in the business. This, you know, March came, and I we had all these orders for tulips, and then the roses were right around the corner on their heels, getting ready for their first flush, and you know the world sort of shut down, and all the wedding and events were canceled. So I had all these beautiful flowers, oh and gosh. I thought, well, I'm set up to ship, and everybody was you know in their homes, not leaving, and wanting to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and all kinds of things and you know they weren't leaving their house and flowers weren't moving everywhere and since we were agriculture we were considered an essential service because I also grow you know food so all my employees and we were all still operating here taking care of the farm um, we started shipping retail Okay. So I also have a retail customer base as well that I sell cut flowers to. Um, so I would say those are kind of that, that's kind of my one customer base is kind of wholesale and retail. And then I also um, my my customer that buys nursery products for me like bare root roses or potted nursery plants. Um, that person is just somebody that really loves roses, wants to grow them in their yard. Maybe they're a, um, a florist that wants to put a handful of plants in so they can tuck them into bouquets um, for their uh, brides. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're a home gardener and they're just interested in getting you know more garden roses or being able to have a cutting garden so they can go out and snip some roses and bring them into their house or give as gifts. So um, I kind of really have sort yeah. of almost like two customer bases, people that are, you know, wanting to that are professionals in the, in the cut flower business and then those that are um just home gardeners just that are just, rose lovers yeah that are just rose lovers and you know they love roses and um they they want to buy cut ones or they want to buy plants and um and learn more about how to grow them and grow them successfully so are cut roses like half of that uh pie and the other half are the bare root and the potted plants and so you're kind of like half nursery I, woman i half would say about half and half and probably by next year it might be about 70 30 i actually the, the nursery is actually expanding um in this last year um i think because because of covid and and whatnot. Um, everybody was at home gardening. I mean, the explosion in the gardening world, um, it has just been amazing. I mean, I don't know anyone that works in the nursery business. That's not, um, just going, we don't have enough plants. There's right. not enough plants. Oh like my we gosh. just, we, yeah. every, everybody's home gardening. And I don't really see that, um, you know, changing. I think that that trend is going to continue. It was already on an uptick. Uh-huh. Uh, and my business was already expanding even before all this happened. Um, you know, the, the, the yearn to grow, the yearn to grow. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yes, right now it's about 50-50. Wow, that's great. So I also think maybe because you're specializing and you're kind of deep in one genus, you're like committed to roses, garden roses. Mm-hmm. I, I would Is that what you call them? Uh, antique garden roses or English I just call gardens? them garden roses because okay. um, a lot of the ones I grow aren't necessarily antique. Like they're not the older, older varieties. A lot of them are the new modern varieties. Um, that look, may look antique in terms of their, you know, the floret and the size, you mm-hmm. know, and the shape may look antique, but they're actually more modern breeding that um, has all that lovely disease resistance and um, Got it. Yeah. whatnot that makes them a little easier to grow for the modern modern gardener. That's so cool. But you still probably have more selection than a lot of just independent garden centers. Yes. And I, I will say that that's usually why people end up finding me mm-hmm. is I, I really do, you know, curate my selection that it is the, it is the roses that I do grow here as cut flowers for professional, um, you know, floral designers. And so I choose, you know, varieties based on vigor and color. And, you know, some of those, you know, your local garden center isn't going to know that, you know, that interesting kind of, you know, 
peachy taupe um, isn't going to be as popular. Garden centers tend to bring in really, really bright colors. You know, people want the traditional long stem red rose or bright yellow or whites. Um, and you may not get some of those interesting, unique um, varieties. And that's kind of where I come in that I really, you know, I don't sell anything that I don't grow or that mm -hmm. I haven't actually tried and tested mm -hmm. here on the farm for a number of mm -hmm. years. And um, I want, I want my customers to be successful growing them too. And I want to bring them, you know, the colors and varieties that they may not be able to get really anywhere and everywhere. And, and those trends do, do change as well. It's so funny when you talked about the bright colors, I may, all of a sudden I realized it's the independent garden center kind of shopper is similar to the farmer's market shopper. Like they're going for the primary colors. Yes. Yeah. And then the designers and the, the rose sufficient autos are more They're looking for the, something different. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're looking maybe for something that's more of an ombre or multi-tone colors or a unique bloom or... Um, whereas garden centers and I love home garden centers cause I, you know, I'm kind of one, I'm a nursery myself too. So I always say, go support your home, your local nursery. But a lot of time home garden, you know, centers and nurseries will deal with sales reps from plant companies or larger wholesale nurseries. And they just buy like, you know, say, okay, well we want to order 200 roses and they don't even pick the varieties. Just, like, just bring us. They, it, just, it just bring us. And that's what you'll wow. see in your, especially big box stores. Yeah. And also you're getting kind of the branded flowers and um, while all those companies are important and they support garden magazines as advertisers, so yes. I can't complain. It's a, it's, it's sort of like we want to sell what's, what's guaranteed to sell yeah. and not, ex not take a risk on some yeah, weird a, variety. A unique color, yeah. Um, which I think is what's great about my customers. And that's why I love them so much is that they, they know what they want. They're like, I love that color. I love that shade. Or they're looking for those interesting and unique things. Mm -hmm. And so they're excited to, um, you know, usually when they find me, they're like, I couldn't find this locally. I'm so glad you ship or I'm so, I'm yeah. so glad you have this. Um, yeah. Thank God for the internet. Right. Yeah. And well, and I really also just work on, I try to, you know, I mean, our knock on wood, we try to do, you know, our best to have the best quality. I mean, yeah. they are plants and sometimes, I mean, I'll be honest, sometimes they do fail or somebody plants a bare root and, you know, they send us a picture and say it didn't, it didn't survive. And you know, that yeah. happens, but we really do try our best to have really top quality. And I think that's also what's sort of um, you know, in the last couple of years, what I can keep hearing consistently from our customers, and I'm glad because that's what we really strive for with our customer services, making sure that the plants are, are healthy, are healthy yeah. and will do well for you that yeah. we, we really want. I want everyone to succeed. Right. And everyone on my team here does that every, you know, we trim up every single bare root that goes out and, wow. you know, we water every single potted plant, make sure it's got, you know, the right amount of fertilizer and everything before it leaves here to, we really want you to be successful um, when you take it home. And I think that like some of the larger um, kind of big box stores, I think that's what's um, sort of gone missing from that process of buying a plant now is that there's not a lot of that extra help and knowledge, yeah. um, horticultural knowledge yeah. that, you know, I, I, so I think when people finally find someone, it's like, you know, I get excited when I go somewhere and I talk to a chef and they, they know all about the food and where they've sourced it. And I think it's um, yeah. kind of the same thing with you're the like plants. The, you're like the rose concierge. Like, yes, I will exactly. tell you what you need to know. <laughs> well, and I usually always ask people, I go, okay, like how much time do you have to spend with your roses? Because some, you know, while I love all my roses, some, I will say, just like my child, one's a pickier eater and one's a not so picky eater. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, if somebody tells me, hey, I have no time at all, you know, but I want something pretty, I might recommend a different variety. So I really do try to cater my recommendations That's also true. just to their lifestyle and to how much time they have, because I don't want to send them home with something that they're, they're going to go, oh gosh, that one, I needed to dead that one, had that one too much, or it was, you know, too small or too tall, or mm -hmm. I really try to um, kind of, you know, play matchmaker and, I love and find the right one. Um, 
roughly how many varieties do you have in your catalog at any given time? Or right it... now, I think at last check we had like 100 to 150. Okay. And they may not all be available. Like some are available only as bare root. Some are available as um, potted plants. Some are available as cut flowers, but not as bare root or potted. So it, it really fluctuates. just, yeah, it kind of just depends on, you know, what part of the business it is. But yeah, we usually roughly have around um, that many that are available for, for sale in, in some way. Well, we just jumped into your little, um, well, you call it a gator or something, right? A ga- oh, it's a mule. It's a, a mule. Ca- it's called a, ca- it's by um, the brand Kawasaki and they call it a mule. Okay. So usually I was going to call we, it a golf cart, yeah, but I knew that's what. Usually we just, call, I mean, it, or uh, I think gators, um, John Deere's okay, are called so gators. We're, yeah, we're but in it's, the mule. <laughs> a, it's their, it's their mule. Okay. So we drove around. We drove around. Uh, you, I, first of all, the roses are so beautiful. And I took a couple of videos of our driving around. So I'll, I will share those on social media. But um, I didn't realize you were 100% organic in your practices. That is crazy. Yeah. And this doesn't mean you're USDA certified. No, we're okay. not certified. Um, tell me about how, how is that possible? What does that require of you? It's a lot of hand labor. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Uh, as much as we try to refine the process and you know do as many things as we can, um, it's a lot of, especially with the weeds. You saw the weeds. Deborah saw the weeds today. I'm um, not with, judging because well, that means you judge our, me. Our, our very very warm. <laughs> We've had um, uh, some heat waves here in California um, last week, and then again we're actually expecting another one this week. And we had some early ones in April, which were unusual. So the weed pressure has just been really bad this year. That's too bad. Um, and you know we just take care of that. You know really with hand hoeing, hand pulling. Um, you know we we do some flame flame weeding on the edges of beds, but once we get in between where the roses are, it's really hard to use a flame weeder because it's it's yeah. just too close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can be, and it, and it we do also we do spray. Um, for insects, I mean, they, they are organic certified sprays, but we do That's good. do spray. So yeah. we're we're not a no spray, but we are you know organic practices. We're using what what's approved. Yeah, what's approved, and um, yeah, it's just it just can be challenging. It's usually just more labor, more you know, more. Yeah. It's, it's just it's just more. I mean, yeah. it, it makes the. With the labor costs, it, it, it makes that stem cost a little bit higher, but that's what you're paying for. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's, the, that's interesting. So it's you know, but. You know, we do we do what we we do because we love it and we think it's important and um, and I just you know put up with the weeds and we, I just I think that's a good point. You kind of figure what like what are your non negotiables and what are you willing to compromise on in terms of living with more bug bites or more weeds. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's I mean, again I don't I don't always I don't always love the weeds but um, usually we <laughs> get them back under life. we get back under control and hopefully the weather will be um, friendly. We've all we're also just in an you know a whatever they are saying, like a hundred and some odd year drought here in California that we didn't really have any water. I mean, my, I have a weather station here on the farm and, um, our rain gauge, we, we've had four inches of rain this year. And normally so you would have about we would 15 have had, or so. Yeah, 15 I think you to 20. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm, that's since January one. Right. So like not, you know, the season, but since January one. Wow. So, uh, I like to ask people their path to flowers and I'd love to have you sort of give us the, the version, uh, <laughs> the shorter version, because <laughs> uh, you've been involved in horticulture uh, as a plants woman for decades. Yes. So, um, my path was not to flowers was not so linear, but, um, I, as I mentioned in the beginning, I did grow up on a farm, this, this farm, um, uh, specifically prune farm. I farmed prunes with my family. I worked on our, our dehydrator. Um, I went away to college at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and I studied crop science and agricultural business and got my degrees there and then went into um, the vineyard management and winery sort of part of the ag industry and spent several years there. Um, 
with my, I, gosh, I worked as a vineyard manager. I was a PCA. Um, I worked, um, in a tasting room and then my husband and I eventually actually had our own winery. So we kind of, um, did a little bit or did quite a lot actually in, in yeah. the wine industry. Yeah. Um, kind of concurrently, uh, very shortly after I graduated college or actually the same year I graduated college, my mom had passed away. Mm. So I ended up sort of being thrust kind of concurrently with sort of finding my own path in life with, um, kind of taking care of my grandparents who at that point were, you know, elderly in their, you know, late seventies to early eighties. Um, and they had this, you know, this big farm that I never had any intention of, <laughs> of really taking care of or managing cause that was their business. Um, and ended up having to start, uh, operationally managing the farm cause my grandfather yeah. got sick about, it was just about a year after my mom had passed oh. away. And, and how, were you in your late twenties then or I early thirties? I was t- 21. Like oh my when, gosh. when my mom passed and then oh, it was Felicia. like that next year. And so I was kind of, it, it's, that's why I say my story was not linear. I kind of did, I started managing, you know, our farm up here, our prunes. And at that point we had several um, hundred acres. We had about 500 acres at that point. Um, where we had walnuts and peaches and all kinds of things. And so I had a, you know, aging grandparents, um, one that was just physically aging. Like my grandfather just got very sick and went into kidney failure and, you know, passed away about two years later. And then my grandmother, who, which I'm sure a lot of people can, um, relate to ended up getting, you know, pretty severe dementia. And, um, so, you know, we had, I, I ended up taking care of her for a number of years until she passed away and all of at the farm at the same time. So I kind of had my own career, but was also managing, you know, this family business for them. Oh, um, Alicia, that's a lot. Were you, because your winery career was sort of down in the it Santa was down Barbara in, area, Yeah, right? in, the center, in Central Coast. So San okay. Luis Obispo, Paso Robles area. Um, yeah, and so I, w- I was driving up here a lot. Like I was up here, you know, almost every week, at least once a week. It was a lot of driving. It was a lot of, back and anyhow, forth. back and forth. Yeah. And so, um, you know, both my grandparents have since passed away now. And um, so about, I guess it was about seven years ago. Um, you know, we were, I was kind of, we were deciding what are we going to do? You know, my husband had a winery, we had a tasting room, um, in Paso Robles. We had a very successful business there. And, you know, I was still driving back and forth up here to kind of manage, you know, operationally manage the property, not day to day. Um, and you know, I thought, you know, I really like it up here. I'd really like to start spending more time here. And at that mm-hmm. point I thought, oh, I'll, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll spend part time here or half time here. And, I came up here for about a week to do some cleaning in the barn. <laughs> I got, Deborah was just in my grandfather's uh, part of my barn. It's an amazing we, we barn. Some clean, trying to clean out some stuff. And um, I thought, you know, I I really like to move up here. And so we started having the conversation with my husband. And right around that same time, actually, it just sort of ended up, I think, I, I you know, I think it was karma. I do believe in fate sometimes. Um, about two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. Mm. And so at that point it was, okay, well, what are, what are we going to do? And so we kind of decided that we were interested in, you know, probably moving up here. Where um, would you want to have your well, family? Where would I want to have my family? Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And so we decided at that point we were going to keep the winery and just make this home base and kind of do the opposite of what I had been doing all those years that, you know, the wine business would kind of be something that would be the business. distance business. Yeah. And then I was going to come up and, you know move up here. And then I ended up again, kind of a non-linear story, but I had some complications with my pregnancy and my son was born early and I was in the hospital for about six weeks and he was a preemie. Um, so we, at that point then even pivoted even more and just said, you know, you kind of, everything goes in perspective when they're like, Hey, you might lose your life and your child might lose their life. And, you know, I kind of said, Hey, enough. And so we decided at that point to actually sell, um, our winery and, Mm just focus a hundred percent on, um, living up here. And then you know, my son was in the NICU for, you know, a month. And then we had, you know, about six, nine months of really just making sure he was healthy. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just really needed to focus on that. So all of that kind of 
again, I kind of believe in fate. Like I, I, not it that I would love, I would love to go back to the NICU or back into the hospital with a, you know, complicated pregnancy again. But it, I think it, I, I still to this day feel like it was, it happened because it was supposed to happen. And that's what brought me here. Wow. And, and so then that brought, was, was that 2014? That was 2014. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he's, by the way, a very healthy, rambunctious yes, young boy. Yes, he is boy. a very, very healthy, rambunctious. Everything is good. He's a wonderful little boy. But um, that's, so that's what kind of brought us here full time. And then that's what brought me into um, flowers as I was up here. I did not think I was going to farm flowers. Um, for my college days I, and living on the central coast for so long, I was used to greenhouses and poinsettias and, you know, beautiful fields of stock in the pomo. <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking I, who, who grows cut flowers in this Sacramento Valley? This is crazy. It's too hot here. Um, and my husband had, you know, got a job here in the area and was working and he, he had a, um, a friend of his who was a, a florist and he came out here one day to pick up something from him and he saw the old roses that my grandmother had and I'd always tended to my grandmother's roses here on the farm and he said, these are absolutely beautiful. You know, you could, you could sell those at the Mart in San Francisco. Would you sell them to me? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so he kind of put the bug in my ear and then that's when I, you know, sort of thought, hey, can I really grow garden roses outside in a field setting and not in a greenhouse? And so I kind of took all my knowledge in vineyard management and orchard management and um, thought, well, I'm going to do this for roses. And so my approach to growing roses is actually kind of, <laughs> it's a hybrid of really a, an orchard and a vineyard. How interesting. But it, in, it, you know, a rose field. So like my, that's how I set up my rose and my production is um, less like a gardener and more like a, you know, a wine a, grower, a, right. A wine grower yeah. or a, you know, Wine a or, yeah, exactly. Or a pomologist or a, um, so yeah, it's a, so that's how I ended up with roses. And so fast forward, like I, you know, I started just selling the roses that were here on the property that, you know, my grandpa, grandmother had planted from the plants that were existing and then, um, ended up adding more, um, into a, like a more field setting. <laughs> kind of snowballed. <laughs> right. For commercial, commercial production. Um, and it's really been actually what I love. I mean, I, oh, I think about great. it now and that, you know, I loved working in wineries and vineyards and I've always loved, you know, the prunes and this is where I grew up. But like, it's sort of like I finally found my niche that because I graduated college and kind of was, went into a lot of, um, taking care of a lot of other people yeah. for a number of years yeah. and not you really so much. your own. Yes. I kind of postponed my yeah. own, like, you know, yeah. what would I have done, you know, and this you know, maybe this is what I, again, maybe this is what I was always supposed to do and just do it later. Mm -hmm. So to those of you out there that say it's never too early to start something different or, you know, change or pivot careers, um, I'd say do it if, so if you neat. can. Cause I, I did. And people thought I was absolutely nuts to start growing flowers up here. Everyone grows trees and we're uh, in the know, middle of almonds, tree land. And, almonds yeah. and walnuts and rice and, you know, a little, some kiwis, but you know, pomegranates, but I, this is not a flower growing area. And so every other farmer just looked at me and thought, you know, that crazy lady. And well, here we are. Well, how translatable is the orchard uh, or vineyard uh, kind of method to roses? Is, is, do you just. I find a lot of the practices really are the same in that I really focus on um, soil management, water management. Um, uh, which again, most home gardeners aren't out there like managing their soil moisture every day. Right. Um, I'm really managing it to, so that I can get the most production out of my roses, um, which if you're growing in a greenhouse and hydroponic, it's a little bit different than like an outdoor management system. Um, my field scouting for like insects and pests and all of that, all my years of experience doing that, um, you know, that translates into, wow. yeah. into the roses as well. And I would say just operational efficiency too, um, mm -hmm. for pruning. I mean, mm -hmm. we prune a lot of trees out here, um, every year. So, um, being able to prune roses pretty efficiently that people 
get very scared and timid yes. about pruning roses. And when I tell them they can just go through with a saw, um, <laughs> they just think I'm absolutely nuts. But, um, you know, and, a, and an advanced rosarian would probably say, don't ever do that. But then I say, yeah, well, have you tried? Because um, <laughs> most people don't, you know, they, they haven't experimented. And that is one of the nice things about having a large field. And I do have a lot of acreage here that I can do test blocks and go, because people will tell me, well, you can't do that. And I go, well, I'm going to try it. Yeah. And so, you know, the following year, I'll take a block and I'll, I'll prune it differently or I'll try mm. something mechanical right. or I'll, um, because you, you have know, the, you have the plants, to I do have it the on. plants to do wow. it. And there's not, there isn't a lot of research in, you know, outdoor field grown garden roses for production right. and not necessarily for, um, you know, for the garden, right. you know, someone that's growing it in their garden. Right. For, but, but at the scale you're doing. Yeah. That. The scale. Yeah. Exactly. The scale. So when you, when you, uh, kind of reestablished your farm here, is that when you named it menagerie or had your grandparents? Name no, it that? that's when I decided to ma- name it menagerie because, and I picked the word menagerie because it's just kind of a collection of all the things that have come before and mm. hopefully all the things that are coming, mm. um, in the future. And it really wasn't just a collection of the plants and the, you know, whether it's the trees or the roses or the existing, you know, ecosystem that's here, but also the people. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to honor the people that came before and then also the people that are here now that, you know, my husband and my kids right. and, and all of the employees that work for me that make this this magical menagerie. I um, love that. And so that's how why I ended up picking the word menagerie because I wanted something that kind of represented the diversity of what the farm really is because I am kind of a... It is a little crazy. I've got fruit and flowers and a nursery. and You're the you know, sum of all those yes, parts. Yes, I'm a sum of all those parts. And sometimes people, you know, it's a hard time for them to, people can't wrap their head around, <laughs> oh, wait, but you have this and then you have this. And, you know, so. I'm like Mrs. Noah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except for I'm you a, don't have a ton of animals, but that's probably good. I don't. That's I don't have good. a ton of animals. No, I, you know, as a kid out here, we did. We had a lot of chickens and goats and, um, and whatnot. And um, I spent too many mornings waking up to animals that the coyotes or other wildlife had um and i decided i don't know that i want my kids to have to wake up every morning and find it in fact i was actually just out where we were driving Mm -hmm. um this morning uh in the mule deborah was walking around the back of the rose field and you know three coyotes are just running around in the morning and i love them because they keep the deer population down so i don't have deer issues let them do that yeah so so i i'm all happy to have all the (laughs) all all the wildlife out here um so anyhow, yeah. but yeah, I don't have a lot of um, like farm animals. We have a couple cats, and the dog. I, well, I like your tagline, "Growing Wonder." It just it it just has a real visceral, positive, feel good um, response when I hear it, and um, I wonder how that came about. You know, I, honestly, it was just one day. My husband and I were sitting in my office, and we were again. It was kind of like the menagerie. We were trying to describe like what do we grow here because mm. we grow so many, mm. you know, somewhat of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he said, what are you growing? I said, I'm growing wonderful things. And, and it really was just off the cuff of like, cause he was trying to get me to brainstorm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we were just brainstorming ideas and that's the one that stick. And then we shortened it from growing wonder, you know, wonderful things to just growing wonder. But we were trying to just describe yeah, what that do emotion. you do here? Yeah. And I said, I'm just trying to grow wonderful things. So mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, a, a peach or a, you know, a flowering branch or a prune or a, you know, a, a, be- a beautiful rose. Right. Um, and, and that I wanted to, at this point is when we had kind of just started, um, doing the bare roots, um, 
and I, I wanted more, other people yeah. to do it too. Yeah, you want to emphasize that. And that was really that. the thing. I wanted to. I wanted that energy to go to anyone that was buying, you know, a plant for me to go. Yeah, you can grow wonderful things too. I love that. So yeah, we kind of short shortened it, but um, yeah, it really was a like he was kind of irritating me, and I was like, <laughs> he blew it gro- out. And I was like, I'm growing wonderful things. <laughs> That's what our spouses are are there for <laughs> exactly. our part, partners do for us. Well, and you know what? And he got it out of me. Or, yeah. you know, he, he, he helped me. Yeah. He helped me yeah. solve the problem. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, um, for those of you who are listening, uh, you're the among the first to hear that Felicia is authoring a new book called Growing Wonder. Yes, I am. <laughs> which I, my partner, Robin Ovni and I from Bloom Imprint are so excited to be um, publishing and working with Felicia on. And uh, we are going to have... All the details for uh, pre-order very soon, for for sure by July. So if you really want to get one of the first copies, uh, sign up because it will be out this fall. And uh, Felicia, thank you for saying yes when I asked you if you'd be willing to do a book. Um, I think it's dovetailing with the last thing I want to talk with you about, which is your education, because that's really the future. And the book is sort of a natural fit for all the other education you're doing. So can you kind of give people a snapshot of how they can learn from you. Yes. So, yes. And first of all, thank you, Deborah, for asking me to do a book. I have to admit in the like kind of middle of the pandemic last year when I, you know, got this call and from Deborah, I was, I was thinking, gosh, how am I going to fit in a, in a book? Because, you know, like everybody's lives, so I had kids at home was thinking, how am I going to do this? And I'm so glad I said yes, because it's been so wonderful. But um, one of the great things last year also about the pandemic was because cut flower sales slowed down and, you know, I kind of had to reevaluate what was I doing here with the business that, and everybody was at home. I kept getting more and more emails from people going, what's wrong with my rose? How do I do this? Cause more people were at home tending to their farms and gardens. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that there was a real void for practical rose education, mm-hmm. um, that, I, that I could give, give to people. So I started an online uh, learning academy which is just a subscription-based membership program. Um, and it was just sort of a, an extension of what I did here on the farm previously with workshops, which were all canceled as well. I couldn't have people out to, you know, walk around the field and show them how to cut and deadhead and, you know, look for insect identification. So I moved that to an online um, community. Is, that, is there a name for that? It's, I call it the Menagerie Academy. Okay. Yeah, so the Menagerie Academy. So it's just kind of an all, all-encompassing. Um, there's the online portion, which is uh, a membership and then I include my farm workshops now. Now that we're going back to in-person, I actually did one this spring in April. Um, but anything in-person kind of falls into that academy okay. um, sort of umbrella, too, because it's really any of the education. And then the book um, was the perfect segue to that, too, because it's um, a lot of um, what I teach here, but uh, a little bit more pumped up, kind mm-hmm. of um, a little bit more. I-, I wanted it to be really practical. I know Deborah knows as we've been editing and kind of going through, like, what do we want this book to be? That one of my big um, focuses was I wanted it to be approachable to everyone. Um, so whether they had a small amount of time, you know, 10 minutes a week to focus on their roses or... Or, you know, they want to go gung-ho and spend, you know, 10 hours a week that um, we, I can really make somebody successful. So that has been a really great, um, you know, addition to what I've been doing um, the last couple of years with in-person workshops. Now um, I have, you know, information online that people join me every week and we have videos and other things. And then, you know, now back to the yeah, in-person as well. And they can kind of get all of that really in the book now. So I can yeah. send it out into the into the world um, to people who can't come and see me here at the yeah. farm. Um, and we don't have a definite pub date, but it's September or October-ish um, based on 
you know, how much writing you had done, Felicia. I got to get, I got to get crack of what I'm sure too, like everything. I mean, I, with just hard goods of, you know, I, everything here, I know anybody that's in the business of really doing anything is their supply shortages yeah. with everything. I mean, yeah. I, the little tags we hang on the plants, you know, when people buy them here at the nursery, those are, you know, back orders. Like oh. Everything, my, my, my vases I ordered for Mother's Day arrived like a week ago. Is that that stack of vases? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Well, so, hopefully you'll use them for something I else. I know. I think they might be Christmas vases now. Um, well, so I know yeah. that, um, you know, so I think publishing might be kind of the same. Like I'm just, I think you'll probably be happy if, you know. Well, we're really lucky that we're publishing domestically. Uh, we print in Seattle. Um, fantastic. And, but I don't, you know, there might be a paper, paper. issue. Who I, knows? To be continued on that. Yeah. But we're going to think positive thoughts. Um, on the Academy, how do, what are, you have various levels. How do people plug in? I do. So for the online part of the Learning Academy, um, they just go to the website and they can sign up. And I have a base level, which I call um, my grow level. Uh, which is five ninety nine a month, and then I have um, my learn level, or sorry, my um, bloom level, uh, which is oh gosh, I'm gonna, gonna well, we'll put, around, we can put it on. The it's podcast, around twenty yeah. some odd dollar, twenty eight, uh-huh. twenty something, and then I have um, a grow level or thrive level, sorry, a thrive level that is um, around ninety nine dollars a month, and each different level includes different types of learning. So some you get a bunch of videos and like. Um, PDF documents of how to grow, um, my Thrive group, group, which is my highest level, they actually get um, once a month we do a live Zoom um, class together where they can come and, you know, kind of share all of our garden and farm problems and issues and we talk it all through together as a, um, like a learning group. Um, where uh, And then once a week for all levels, um, which I think has been the most valuable for everyone that's in, or at least the feedback I've been getting um, from members, is uh, they can submit questions to me, and I record a video once a week, and I answer everybody's questions, and then it goes into the learning community, and everybody can listen to anybody and everybody's questions. So it's wow. become kind of a nice little database now of sort of just picking my brain of um, anything and everything. So I, I help people that are, you know, beginning flower farmers to... Um, gardeners that just want to really dial in their roses. Um, it's kind of a nice, a really nice cross section yeah. of learners. Um, so it's That's been awesome. a, a really good addition to um, what I've, you know, I've been doing. And so that was one positive out of last year. You were just open to a new opportunity or or getting information to people in a different way. Yeah, and it's it seems to really. It's going to continue even though we're coming out of COVID, Oh, yeah. Right? I, I mean, that, yeah. Again, that's what I was saying. It was one of the positive things that, like, I wouldn't have occurred to me. You know, I was, again, too busy. I was like, I don't have time to do. An uh, online so, course. So, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, so many, so many, court. there's so many people now and, you know, doing online courses or, and I, you know, this isn't a course. That's because I was like, I don't have time to film a course and do all that. This it, isn't. It's more it's of. It's not a course. It's, it's more a, of a. hub for education. Right. It's a hub yeah. for education. So it's, um, you don't have to sit down. There's not modules. You don't go through every week. It's really just um, specific topics and you can kind of learn at your leisure. And then I'm there every week to support you. So that if you've got a question, you That's send it awesome. in and I, you know, I'm right there with you. Um, and then especially like my my thrive group for those, those guys, like, you know, we're a little team now that like, I am, I'm invested in their farms and gardens and I want to make sure that, you know, I can help them the best they can. It's like having a, you know, personal consultant, um, yeah, a coach, right. Yeah. A coach right there with them. Um, just like you'd hire a personal trainer and like your personal flower trainer. Can people jump in at any time? Yeah. Okay. They can, they can okay. join at any time and cancel at any time. Yeah. So it's just, it's a, I, I a, do have almost. a little bit of a discount if you buy a, a year at a time. Sure. So a little, a little price break there, but, um, you can just go month to month. And you can, you know, upgrade and downgrade too, because um, I wanted it, uh, again, especially last year with the pandemic, um, 
making sure that it was approachable for everyone kind yeah. of wherever they were um, financially. Awesome. So, um, yeah, it's it's been really great. And then I also still do the, the workshops here at the farm. Right. I do group ones and then one-on-ones too. So people do come out. Actually, I did quite a few this spring. So people book a one-on-one. They'll book a one-on-one, mm-hmm. um, which they can do online too. I do one-on-ones online, which is kind of part of the academy. You can book an hour um, with me or you can come out here to the farm for a full day or half day, um, which is really fun too. I usually find those are mostly farmers that – Really want. Want, they really want it. And we cater exactly what they want to learn. Yeah. You know, I do a custom um, agenda and schedule for them. And um, it's those so, are really fun. It's so great that you're not thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm t- training my future competition. You're not taking that attitude. You're just sharing no, all your knowledge. No, because, I, you know, I guess maybe it's because I come from maybe the vineyard and, you know, more orchard mm-hmm. world that, like, you can, you know, when we had our vineyard, there's four other wineries just you know, within Next the store throw, yeah. everybody's got a different wine and it all tastes different. And it's, you know, that we supported each other mm-hmm. that, Oh, would you like Pinot? Just go down the street. I've got a lovely Cabernet, but I don't have that. And so I kind of see it as the same that there, there is room for, for all. And I really believe in local flowers too, that, and while I do ship and I, I did start doing that as a, a portion of my business, um, that if I can help someone in their local area, be able to provide flowers, um, to their, you know, their local community. Um, I, I believe that that's the direction we should be going and the more, more I can help contribute to that. Um, I think the better. So, um, and really just also gardeners. I think there's more of a, um, I mean, you know, this, so so flowers, I think there, people just want to garden at home and be able to take those flowers from their yard and put them on their table. And I can really help, especially with, you know, I'm not, not just all flowers, but really garden roses. Yeah. I mean, that is my, That's that niche. is my niche. Yeah. And you know, how can I help you be the most successful with that? So, you know, when you want to take a bouquet to your friend who's just, you know, feeling down for the day that you can go out there and you're going to have these gorgeous blooms to be able to share with them. So, mm. um, I think that it, it's, I don't know, that's, you're right. That it, it, I don't feel like it's competition yeah. or like I, I, I enjoy helping. I think it's, I'm hitting my stride kind of in my career. I feel, you know, like I said, I kind of put put things on hold for a lot of years and I'm finally, you know, reaching where I think I I was always kind of meant to be in a, in a, in the educational capacity Mm. too. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation and just, just sitting outdoors, the cool breeze, um, hearing the birds, looking at the roses. I'm just, I'm in a really peaceful place. So thank you for that gift. Well, thank you for coming, Deborah. It was so nice to have you here today and thank you for having me on the program yep and we'll share some photos uh we'll bring people to menagerie through the magic of photography and get on felicia's mailing list so when she does have events you can sign up and um you know plan a trip to the sacramento area and i'm sure you said people are driving up here from san francisco so yeah we have i have people come pick up plants from bay area oregon washington um it's it's becoming a, des- a destination, which wow. I actually kind of like, too. People come out, they sit on the picnic benches we have out here and just sort of enjoy enjoy a trip. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much.
Thanks so much for joining us today. What a lovely preview of Growing Wonder. You can pre-order your copy of Felicia's book via a link to Bloom Imprint. We'll mail it to you in September after publication. In the meantime, there are a lot of resources available to you at Felicia's website. So check out the links that I've included in our show notes at deborahprinzing.com for episode 513. Our next sponsor thank you goes to flowerfarm.com, a leading wholesale flower distributor that sources from carefully selected flower farms to offer high-performing fresh flowers sent directly from the farm straight to you. You can shop by flower and by country of origin at flowerfarm.com. Find flowers and foliage from California, Florida, Oregon, and Washington by using the Origin Selection Tool in your search. Learn more at flowerfarm.com. We just wrapped up American Flowers Week, our seventh annual celebration, June 28th through July 1st, the original domestic flower promotion holiday. For all of you who participated, thank you for sharing photos of your beautiful flowers, designs, farms, and other special activities. It was fun to search the hashtag American Flowers Week on social media and see all that you're doing. Our botanical couture was the most extensive ever, and we've collected one dozen floral fashions in our special edition flip book. It's a part of Slow Flowers Journal. It's free to read, and I've shared the link in today's show notes. And I'm going to say it right now. If you have any inspiration to grow and design a botanical couture garment for our 2022 collection, please get in touch right away. I find that summer races along so quickly that it's easy to miss the tiny window of time between now and the first frost, during which you can harvest, create, and photograph a wearable floral garment, perhaps to be included in next year's campaign. I won't let you forget the opportunity to promote your flowers and floral art through this high-visibility member program. Learn more at AmericanFlowersWeek.com. Our next sponsor thank you goes to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 742,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks to support Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.